Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. I'm so glad you could join us today. Sometimes we wonder if one person can truly make a difference. Well, today we're going to put that question to rest. We're spending the hour talking about the legacy of Josie Johnson. The Star Tribune has called her Minnesota's first lady of civil rights. And now her life story is told in a new documentary called Hope in the Struggle. It premiered Monday and is streaming on Twin Cities PBS. Dr. Johnson, as she is known to many, worked behind the scenes in the 1960s to pass Minnesota's fair housing law. She co-chaired the Minnesota group that went to the March on Washington in 1963. She advised the Minneapolis mayor when protests against police brutality and unequal education rocked the city in the 1960s. And in 1971, she became the first black person elected to serve on the University of Minnesota Board of Regents. This hour, I'm talking with Josie Johnson and Twin Cities PBS executive producer Daniel Bergen about the work she's done to make life in Minnesota better for everyone. And as I talk with them, I want to hear from you, too. If you know Josie Johnson, do you have a story to share? How have you benefited from or been inspired by her activism? And how do you think civil rights activism has changed Minnesota? The phone lines are open. You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000. You can also call 800-242-2828. Dr. Johnson is joining us from Atlanta this morning where she's visiting her daughter. Good morning, Josie. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Oh, good morning. I am honored and deeply privileged to have this opportunity to visit with you voice to voice. I listen to you every day. So it's very nice. Thank you. Oh, this is great. Thank you for listening to us. In the studio, uh, Dr. Johnson, I have Twin Cities PBS executive producer Dan Bergen. And as many people may know or may not know, but I'm going to tell you about him. He has won 20 regional Emmy Awards, including ones for his feature-length documentaries such as Jim Crow of the North about housing discrimination and Out North about the state's untold queer history. Good morning, Dan. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Dr. Johnson. Good morning. I'm so happy to be voice to voice with you. (laughs) I listen to you all your life, young man. So I'm happy happy to be here this morning. And I've been listening to you as have all of Minnesotans. And so we thank you for, for the leadership. Thank you. Well, Dan, I just mentioned the award-winning work that you've done over the course of your long career as a journalist. Uh, so, Dan, how meaningful was it to you to work on a documentary about Josie Johnson? Well, it means everything, everything that, you know, I work in media for, you know, it's about narrative change and new narratives. It's about underrepresented voices. um, And ultimately, it's about using story to make change. And Josie has made change. Her story continues to make change. So Mm -hmm. it also puts a face on on Minnesota that's different from, you know, the mainstream perceptions. Um, And and Josie was there at every, you know, critical moment in the last 60, 70 years of at all the tables at all the tables. And so so this really epitomizes kind of why we do what we do at TPT. I want to start uh, our conversation by listening to about the first minute of the documentary. Again, it's called Hope in the Struggle, the Josie Johnson story. And we will hear from Josie right here, right at the top of the, of the documentary. And it gives us a taste of what is to come. 
still consider us little girls and ladies. The legislature elected the first person of color, Josie Johnson, to the University of Minnesota Board of Regents. I was invited to the League of Women Voters, the NAACP, the Urban League. She was at the March on Washington. The whole spectrum of Josie's commitments crossed the lines of color and class and gender. She played a lead role in helping to dismantle those rules and regulations. Young black millennials for years have been asking me, why? Why do you stay in the struggle? And then why do you have hope? Why do you have hope? This hour, we're going to be talking about that question. What gives us hope? Dan, I've watched many documentaries, and I, I want to say this to everyone. This one is truly fantastic. It's a, a history lesson on civil rights with lots of photos and video and personal stories. And I know you have described it as, as, as watching it is like sitting at the feet of an elder. Now, was that the goal as you and other producers and editors you know, worked on this for months? That was, you know, we had an opportunity to have Josie, as she did in her book, do kind of an autobiography almost, because we have so much archival footage of Dr. Johnson uh, from over the decades. Mm -hmm. And so um, while it was great to include her on a recent visit um, as part of the film as well, but we were able to tap into kind of her voice from our archive and and make that intimate connection for audiences. And so I'm I'm really I'm so pleased with with Steve Spencer and Miranda Harnkar and our whole team who who crafted this with such TLC, uh just knowing how important the story was and they just would like we just need one more image, please, like we could can find it. And so it yes. was amazing. So that yeah, the collection of historical photos uh is just uh fantastic. Uh Josie, I on many occasions I've heard you talk about how important it is for older people to remind younger generations of where we came from, what it was like in the past, and so that we can have hope about addressing um, some of the things that we see, the inequalities that, that we still see today. So, Josie, what do you want us to know about having hope? Well, you know, that's a very important question, hope. When we think about the history of African-American people in America after slavery and all of the work that our people have been engaged in since then, and to try to figure out what were the results of all of that? Where are our children? Where are they in their thinking about their own engagement in the struggle for freedom and justice and independence. To me, what's important for us is for our children to see adult black people engaged in policy, in work that leads to constructive results for the benefit of our people. So it is a job that continues. Mm. Black adults working, going to school, modeling hard work and effort, and our children understanding that. 
appreciating what it means to work hard. What does that mean? And to have results that make our children feel it's important to study, to know who they are, from whence they've come, and what their roles are in the future of American dream and our hope in the struggle for them. Dr. Johnson, in the documentary, we learn about your childhood. You grew up in Texas uh, in the segregated South, and um, you talk about your father, uh, how he graduated from college but, but couldn't pursue his dream of law school. Uh, can you tell us more about your father and how he influenced you? Thank you very much for remembering my father. My dad and my mother went to Purview, which was a small black college in Texas, and they both graduated. My father graduated and went into the field of housing and legislation developing for freedom of housing and opportunity. He wanted to go into law school. He wanted to be a lawyer. It wasn't possible. They didn't admit African Americans into the law school in the South, and he didn't have the kind of resources that would allow him to go elsewhere to study law and to become a lawyer. So my dad worked on real estate in Houston, building housing apartments, real estate of all kind in the area of Houston, Texas. So I learned from my father and my mother, who was a social worker, and took on the engagement of children, creating nursery schools and early uh, childhood education opportunities. Mm. So Both of them modeled for me and my brothers, and I had two brothers, that the way of life is service, and the way of life is serving in the best way that you know how, and to not give up. Mm. So we learned early that it meant work. It meant modeling what hard work meant. It meant talking to little children, going into schools, visiting with them, making opportunities for their parents to do everything they could Mm. and to not be just briefly swept away, black people, struggle, effort, Don't just wipe that away and feel that it was a brief moment in history. It's a part of who we are as a people from whence we've come, our continued struggle for justice and equality. 
If you're just joining us, we're talking with uh, Josie Johnson, uh, a longtime civil rights leader here in Minnesota, about a new documentary that just premiered this week on uh, Twin Cities PBS. It's called Hope in the Struggle, the Josie Johnson story. And uh, also talking with the executive producer of that film, Dan Bergen, and taking your phone calls. Uh, Dr. Johnson has been a mentor to so many people across all kinds of fields here in Minnesota. So I want to hear from you and, and, and other people, too, if you have a story about Josie Johnson that you want to share, you can call us at 651-227-6000 or at 800-242-2828. And I want to take a moment to take a few phone calls because some listeners are already calling in. Uh, right now on the line, uh, calling uh, in from the Twin Cities, we have Madeira Arredondo. I know that name. Our former Minneapolis police chief is on the line. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good morning, Ms. Davis, and, and thank you so much, uh, and your listeners, for having me. I, I simply wanted to say if there's ever a way that we could attach the word elegance to iconic civic leadership, it's Dr. Johnson. And um, when I was first uh, announced by then-Mayor Betsy Hodges that I would be taking on the role, um, uh, finishing out my predecessor's first term as chief, Dr. Johnson was right there at my very first press conference, and I will tell you that uh, there was a lot of media gathered there. She walked up to the podium, and I will never forget this. She said, he is our chief, and yes, he absolutely has to be held accountable. But then she looked at each one in the press there, and she said, but you better be fair to him. And I will tell you, a hush came over the crowd, <laughs> and I was kind of cheering in the background. But but she has always been such an inspiring leader. And every time that I was dealing with um, some of our, our, our darkest days in the city, mm-hmm. I always looked to her in terms of her modeling style, her leadership. She always delivered hope in, in everything that she did. And she always tried to bring us together as in terms of dividing us. And so she has been a a true leader for me. Uh, Dear Queen Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for all that you've done. Uh, Certainly for me and others, I stand on your shoulders, and um, we are a better state and a better nation because of your your efforts. So thank you so very much. Thank you for for calling it. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that nice? It It is a deep feeling of appreciation we as a people sometimes need to hear what our community thinks because we have so much to be worried about but also to be thankful about. And I am thankful that I had an opportunity in my life to be engaged in a way that's meaningful, What did it mean as an old lady and a mother, grandmother, (laughs) to be engaged in the issues facing our people and to know, to know, my young friends, that much of this is not new. Our ancestors have fought for generations for the right for our people to be free and able to pursue justice, equal opportunity for all of our people. 
Dan, what can you say to us about uh, just the number of pe- people that that Josie has been able to get close to, like over the years since since the fifties and sixties, uh, having uh, conversations with governors and mayors and you know state legislators and business leaders and CEOs. Like she just gets right up next to them and tells them, like, this is what needs to happen. This is what we expect, and here's how I can help you. She does, and in that way, she truly is, you know, the mother of civil rights, but a stateswoman, a yes. diplomat, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, she embodies, in a way, just listening to Chief Rodondo, she embodies nonviolent direct action, and by that, I don't mean just resisting confrontation in a, in a way or, or the simple way we think about nonviolence in the civil rights struggle, but it's the poise, the diplomacy, the communication, um, the coordination, all those strategies that were behind uh, the nonviolent um, civil rights direct action. Um, Dr. Johnson exemplifies that. And and you're right. Um, She built relationships. She communicated. She worked behind the scenes. It wasn't always about the press conferences and Mm -hmm. the protests. It was that, but it was also in the boardrooms, in the, you know, in the community rooms, in the classrooms. And so, in that, you know, she built up coalitions, relationships. She was proud of her rapport with, you know, Republican governors uh, in Minnesota who she had a rapport with and trusted. And then with that could help move forward fair housing legislation. Right. Uh, I want to make sure we take uh, some more time to listen to another excerpt from the documentary. Again, it's called Hope in the Struggle, the Josie Johnson story produced by Twin Cities PBS. Uh, Most of the documentary is told in Josie's voice from previous interviews with her or through historical video footage and lots of images. These pictures really are fantastic. There is no narrator. And what I especially loved, uh, Dan, are the, the interviews with three of Josie's adult granddaughters in the documentary. And let's let's listen to them for just a moment. Having hope makes it possible to continue, not just for your life, but for the lives of everyone who came before you and everyone who will come after. I don't think it's my right to not have hope because she's because she she did it and things were worse. <laughs> so even the days that things feel not great. I have to remember, like, what she did at 15, what she did at 20, what she did at 30 and 40, and, you know, what she did her whole life, really. When I think about all of the stuff that she's seen, what it must take to keep um, a spirit about you that's positive and optimistic. Sometimes it works in some ways, and sometimes it doesn't, but it's incumbent upon you to, to try again and find another way. Those were the voices of... Josie Johnson's granddaughters, Lauren Thomas, Josie Duffy Rice, and Rosa Duffy. Dr. Johnson, tell me about your granddaughters. You must be so proud of them. They they sound like lovely young women. Josie? Yes. Your oh, granddaughters. Thank you. I know. They take your breath away. Yeah. I know. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, to, to hear mm-hmm. grown grandchildren Mm. define their relationship with their grandmother in the way that I heard them. It's, it is such a blessing and one that you want to live up to. They have been models from the very beginning of their growing up years engaged in issues dealing with their community. I'm so proud of them. And I love- I am grateful that they're willing to to share yes. their work. And and can we tell our listeners too about the name Josie? So we have 
Oh, yeah. There's you. And then you have a daughter, Josie Thomas. And then you have a granddaughter, Josie Duffy Rice. And and now isn't there a a great grandbaby too named Josie? Great grandbaby. My My mother was Josie. My great aunt was Josie. It started back there about six generations Uh, of Josie. I I just love that. So thank you very much. So do I. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's let some more listeners in the conversation uh, as we talk with uh, Dr. Josie Johnson, uh, who has been uh, known as a uh, just a, an, an advocate and a mentor and uh, someone that uh, has made Minnesota so much of, of, of what we see today is because of the work that she did over the years uh, as a lifelong advocate for fairness and housing, education, employment and voting rights. Uh, her new documentary produced by Twin Cities PBS is called Hope in the Struggle. Uh, There was a memoir uh, that was published in 2021 called Hope in the Struggle. And now we have this documentary that is streaming now on uh, Twin Cities PBS. Uh, Taking your phone call 651-227-6000. Or you can call us at 800-242-2828. If you have a story about Dr. Johnson, Josie Johnson, that you want to share, how have you benefited from or been inspired by her activism? Uh, To the phone lines uh, in St. Paul, Rob. Robin is on the phone. I believe, is this Robin Hickman? Yes, Winfield. <laughs> Robin Hickman Winfield. Thank you. Uh, so what is your experience uh, with, with, with uh, Josie Johnson over the years? Well, I'm honored that I can, as a village niece, call her Aunt Josie. And I have to say Winfield because um, she's also, my husband Stevie's also one of her children. <laughs> and so Aunt Josie, I'm honored to be able to talk with you this morning. At the screening, when um, Aunt Josie hugged me and said my my mother was there too, I think that it was very important to grow up and see the relationship, the sisterhood between um, Aunt Josie, my mother, Katie McGuat, um, uh, Uncle Mahmoud El-Kati. And I think for such a time as this, the modeling of bonds between Black people is very, very important to have to be able to bear witness to the way they took care of each other through the struggle, the way that she took care of my mother through the struggle, but also also through her illnesses. The last week of our mother being with, with us, she, Aunt Josie was with her in the hospital, and my mother could hardly speak, but she said, Josie, we still have so much work to do. They all loved each other, and love is, an ar- is armor to go through the struggle, but the most important, precious honor she could bestow upon me was to call upon me in the way she says, darling, darling, <laughs> and she called upon me to, to head up um, an initiative that was very precious to her, the Leland Johnson Common Vision Program, to be the director. And that program brought together black and Jewish young people to come together and bring about understanding about the two cultures. So, Aunt Josie, thank you for that honor. I love you to life. I love you. And I am proud to be your village niece. Oh, Robin. Oh, darling. (laughs) You know, one of the great honors in the life of this old lady is to... Watch those young people grow to see them model the positive things that their parents were saying and modeling for them to be able 
just think, to be able to watch them grow from teenage years to 20 years to grown-up years and know that they love you and you love them. What a blessing. And I feel deeply honored and blessed with all of my young children and all the young people that I had an opportunity to be around and to watch them develop their attitude and disposition about the struggle. Let's take another phone call as we talk with uh, Josie Johnson. Again, a a documentary out now called Hope in the Struggle, the Josie Johnson story. Uh, In Minneapolis, Mark Watts is on the line. And Mark, you're with the African-American Leadership Forum, correct? Yes. Good morning, Angela. Hi. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Daniel. Congratulations on your film. And good morning, Dr. Josie Robinson Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the temerity that you've displayed in your vaunted civil rights career. I just want to always tell you that we're so proud and your legacy is alive and well here at the forum. Thank you just for everything that you've given us. I'm coming to you live actually from the Josie R. Johnson conference room here at the forum. I want to let you know that the uh, Josie R. Johnson leadership Academy, of course (laughs) is alive and well It's uh, coming into its 10th cohort, its 10th season. And as you remember, back on October 20th, 2022, we commemorated October 20th as Josie R. Johnson Day here at the Forum. Uh, We read that wonderful proclamation to you, and you were able to attend it in person with Noreen. So give Noreen a hug for me. Um, I have not yet seen the film, but Daniel and Dr. Johnson and Angie, I so look forward to doing it soon, probably this week. And Mark, how would you describe, as you uh, have worked here in Minnesota and, and, and lived here, how do people describe Dr. Johnson and, and what she's been able to do and helping them in, in their roles or jobs, whatever they may be? She's the closest thing we've seen to royalty for those of us who work in the civil rights and social cause at, today. She gives us so much inspiration. Um, She talks about the people whose shoulders she stood on. We stand on her shoulders as we carry out this work. Um, I'll tell you just a simple quick story. I've done four interviews with you, right, Dr. Johnson? In the third interview, I was asking you about your activism, and you were explaining explaining it to me on why activism is so important. And you said to me something that will ever stay with me, and it was this sentence. You said, responsible activism empowers reform. And if you look at the new logo of the African American Leadership Forum, those four letters are the only italicized letters in our logo. African American Leadership Uh Forum, it's stacked vertically. And I purposely italicize each of those four letters. And people have asked me many times, what's the meaning of R-A-E-R italicized? I've never told this story. It means responsible activism empowers reform. And that's something that you told me two years ago when I interviewed you. And it will stick with me. And that legacy is alive and well in our logo. Mm -hmm. 
every day of our work. Thank you, Mark. Oh, Mark, thank you. Sincerely, how blessed I feel I am to be in a community that's engaged in equality and justice. Dr. Johnson, I, I want to um, talk about what brought you here to Minnesota. Uh, I know that you graduated from Fisk University and HBCU, a historically black college in, in Tennessee, uh, with a bachelor's degree in sociology back in 1951. And then you moved to Minnesota a few years later. So tell us again what brought you here to the Twin Cities. Thank you very much for asking that question, <laughs> because it's very important My husband was a math engineering major in college and graduate school, and he was employed by Honeywell. That brought us to Minnesota. So we have been here since 19... For 51 or Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. 56, Mm -hmm. and our children, uh, our daughters, were born here in Minnesota. I'm trying to imagine Minnesota in the 1950s, in the mid-50s when you you came here. Um, I know that, you know, by 1960, the census showed only about uh, 22,000 black people in in the whole state. Um, That's less than 1% of the population. What was it like in in the mid-50s to to move to such a white community and and, and raise your your children here? You know, that question hardly gets raised because... When you think about a community, and for us, my husband was offered a job at Honeywell. Charles had been a a renowned mathematician and engaged in work dealing with the hard issues of math and world issues dealing with mathematics and the environment of that community. So when we moved here, we felt the need to be engaged with our community. Who are our people? What do we do? And therefore, it began (laughs) by reaching out into our communities, learning about the history of African-American people in this part of the world, and being engaged in it, children going to the school, uh, the beginning of their education at the University of Minnesota as kindergartners and right on through completion of high school. And then just unbelievably engaged in the work here, the ability to share and to work side by side with all of those African-American people who had been engaged in this work, the work of freedom, justice, liberation, and public free education was just something you dream about, but you don't think you can see. Mm. We saw it. 
Dan, um, an earlier documentary you produce uh, is called Jim Crow of the North, and it looked at racial discrimination in housing in Minnesota. We know that Josie Johnson worked uh, quite a bit to shine a light on housing discrimination in Minnesota in the 1950s and 60s and, and lobbied for Minnesota's fair housing bill. Dan, why was that work, the work that she did on housing, why was that so important? Yeah, housing is central. It is the central issue during the civil rights movement here and nationally um, because it means so much, Angela and and Dr. Johnson, as you know, in terms of uh, opportunity, school, and and all that comes with home ownership. But but Josie and her family exemplify the power of that, both her family here and, and then as she was raised in a really strong, supportive um, black home and community. So housing is is everything. And so as Josie talks about, and as, as Robin alluded to earlier, becoming a part of the community, it wasn't just plugging into leadership positions. She was truly a neighbor. She speaks in her autobiography of friends that are the leaders we know of when we hear these names, but they were her buddies, her card playing friends and her neighbors. And she talks about loving them. And, and it, just that way Robin described that sisterhood. And, and, you know, I think, Angela, we always talk about the retention, trying to keep black folks here in Minnesota, and it's hard. Josie, among the many things she models, is that idea of connecting to community. And, and that was important to her as a neighbor and friend, and then as a, an activist and a freedom fighter. So getting involved in Urban League, League of Women Voters, and these different efforts really then allowed her to play the role she played in the fair housing movement. And Josie, I want to ask you more about what was going on um, in 1961. I learned a lot in the documentary about how you really were working behind the scenes to make things happen, particularly, you know, uh, with housing. Um, When it looked like Minnesota's fair housing law was going to stall in a state um, Senate Judiciary Committee, you went to then Republican Governor Elmer Anderson. You went to the governor for help. You got in the governor's ear. Can you tell us a little bit of, of the story of what happened? in that that meeting? Thank you so much, because that was such an important part of our history-making effort in those years. We had, as a people, been engaged in fair housing forever. Our community from the neighborhood forward had been engaged in demonstrating what it meant to have freedom of selection of housing. Discrimination in Minnesota appeared to be unbelievable. Who would have thought in a state like ours, with a governor and a a, a set of legislators who were working in the time that I was engaged, who would have thought that it would have been so difficult not only to get that legislation enacted, but to maintain it for generations to come. So it meant helping people see us as a people, not as the slaves and workers that they had been accustomed to, but to see our black legislators, congresspeople, local workers of civil rights and justice, bring those people to the attention of our community and our world. So we were blessed, and I say that hopefully with a great sense of 
gratitude with people who were not selfish, who were not doing things to have their name announced around issues of social justice, but to be engaged in it, to work in it, to develop legislative language for us to lobby and have happen for the benefit of our children and future generations. And, and, so and Josie, what I, re- been. what I remember in the documentary is that um, after you met with uh, uh, Governor Elma Anderson, asking him for help, that he reached out to senators in the committee and he wrote letters to members of the legislature yes. uh, and to encourage them to, you know, to debate this. And then it, it ended up passing. And that was largely exactly. because of, of your efforts to, 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 to make it happen. Right. I feel deeply honored around that because I was there at a time when those steps could lead to results that we wanted. So it was a period of time. It was the working of the black people before me who had set a stage for equality and justice and for whom that work would benefit our children. So I was blessed to come along at a time when our people had set the stage for this kind of work to have positive results. So I feel very blessed and lucky to have been at a time and a moment when this kind of awareness mm-hmm. was needed and engaged and accepted and we got some things done. All right. Well, let's take another phone call from a listener as we talk with Josie Johnson and and um, how she has mentored so many people across the state and had such an influence uh, with uh, political leaders and, and policies that have helped make Minnesota a better place for everybody to live. Uh, in St. Paul, uh, Shantara Hardy is on the line. Good morning, Shantara. And what did you want to say about Josie Johnson and your uh, relationship and what she's done for you? Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Dr. Johnson. And good morning, Dan. Good morning. morning. It's such a joy to um, be able to be present with you all. And I, first of all, just want to thank you all for holding this time for such a time as this. And having two powerful storytellers on today um, is so needed to be able to hear the journey. I was blessed because Dr. Johnson continued to sit at governor's tables. I recall the first administration for Governor Dayton that she sat at the table and provided an opening in a space to ensure that people of color would be a part of the ranks up and down of leadership in Minnesota governor, governor's um, time. And one administrative later, I became commissioner of the Department of Employment and Economic Development. Mm. And I'm just so grateful that she is one that trusts and believes the growth. She plants, she waters, and then she waits. No matter (laughs) if she's in the trenches, no matter if she's in the trenches or or if she's at a table, she trusts the growth. And, you know, one of the things that has been a guiding 
uh, proverb for me in the work that I do is, is listen to the whispers so you don't have to hear the screams. Mm. And Dr. Johnson has mm. always kept her ear to the ground for those that do not have seats at the table, for those that are in the trenches on the sidelines trying to find their places and the fruits of just her deep relationships and her cross-sector experience has just done profound work for the state of Minnesota. And so I am appreciative of her quiet tone of her power. And I just want you to know that we are all so grateful for you putting your life on the line, your family's life on the line so that we don't have to continue to hear the screams that are happening all around our country and around this world. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Shantara Hardy, former oh. deed commissioner, Department of Employment and Economic uh, Development for the state of Minnesota, and an entrepreneur, uh, uh, Dr. Johnson. It, it, you must be so proud of so many people who have spent time with you. I am so proud of the people with whom I've had an opportunity to interact all these years. And it's not been the distant relationship. It's been the close and it's the understanding, and it's the sharing. So I always say, God is good. I appreciate the opportunity. It makes you want to do and be the very best you can because those voices, those voices, my friends, mean so much to be able to put into words what they are saying and continue to, for you to feel the blessing of having an opportunity to be of service. I want to play another excerpt from the documentary, Hope in the Struggle, the Josie Johnson story, again, which is streaming now on Twin Cities PBS. Uh, in 1971, uh, Josie Johnson became the first black person to be elected to the University of Minnesota Board of Regents. You heard me mention this. And I want to describe a scene in the documentary uh, where you are sworn in. Uh, we see several men in dark suits sitting in leather chairs around a long wooden table, all white men. Several women uh, in, in miniskirts are, are taking notes at this table all white women. And there you are, Josie Johnson in a plaid suit dress and a big afro. You're standing to take an oath. Again, it's 1971. Let's listen. The Constitution of the state of Minnesota, that you will faithfully and impartially discharge. The I knew instead of being token, I felt that I was, I had this opportunity to bring to the table another perspective and point of view. So if others saw me as a token, I didn't see myself that way. I saw that opportunity to make a difference, to have an impact, to have the voice of my people heard. And that was the voice of Josie Johnson in 1992, reflecting on being the first black person to serve as a University of Minnesota regent. And Josie, what do you remember the most about that time uh, being on the Board of Regents at the U of M? You know, when you ask that you reflect on a period of that time (laughs) and that environment, I think what I was I felt so strongly. Here was an opportunity for the voice of our community to be heard. Mm 
for the issues that face our people and what they thought a University of Minnesota Board of Regents meant and what the outcome of that might be, to feel that um, privilege to be able to share what you thought you had been engaged in, in the work of your people, and the continuation of what your parents had taught you about fairness and justice. It was a very special time in my life, and I am deeply grateful to have had that special time. And and Dr. Johnson, as, as people look and, and, and as people watch the documentary, it, it's an hour long. What do you hope uh, they, they get out of it? Um, you know, because again, I, at the beginning, I said you learn not only about you, but you learn about the history of our state. You learn about, you know, social conditions and, 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 you know, some conditions that we're still seeing today that, you know, battles we're still fighting. What, what do you think people will get out of it ever after having a chance to sit and sort of visit what we've been through since the, in the fifties and sixties and seventies and now? Well, you know, that is a question that I think continues in the struggle for freedom and justice for us as a people, because the history, teaching, writing about us has been so limited in the whole process of reading, thinking, talking, discussing, planning around next steps. And I am perhaps um, idealistic, (laughs) as some of my friends uh, (laughs) believe I am. But I think the history of our ancestors, the struggle that our ancestors have experienced and continue to work and to continue to preach (laughs) a sermon Mm -hmm. about us and to remind the world of who Mm. we are and from whence we've come. Nothing beats that. (laughs) (laughs) There's my music, so that tells me we're out of time. Uh, Josie Johnson, thank you so much for your time this hour. I want to remind people uh, you can watch Hope in the Struggle, a documentary that debuted just this week on Twin Cities PBS, streaming right now. And we've also been talking with Daniel Bergen, the executive producer of the documentary uh, on Josie Johnson. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. You have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.